Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Bake with Legend offer fans of the Great British Bake Off the chance to bake alongside their favourite stars from the show. If you're planning a special birthday, a hen party, or perhaps in charge of your next work social, why not get in touch with us to discuss arranging an event for you? We also offer Bake with Legend at Home, where one of our Bake Off alumni can come and lead a baking class in your own accommodation. Just imagine that, Howard or Jane coming round and teaching you afternoon tea. For more information, visit bakewithalegend.com or email info at bakewithalegend.com. A few weeks yeah. ago, actually, I was in. Uh, I was doing a food festival. I was getting some shopping from Booths, uh, which is a very nice supermarket, actually. Is it? Yes. Other supermarkets um, are available. They are. And um, a lady came up to me and said, uh, "Excuse me, are you a member of the long distance walking group?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bake Down podcast. I am Josh, founder of Bake with a Legend. Once again, as ever, I am joined by the brilliant Howard Milton and the lovely Jane Beadle. Howard, we are nearing the end, but uh, I sense as we talk through this week, that you're, we all felt we really enjoyed it. We'd, I, well, I certainly enjoyed it. I love, I love a, a semi-final. I never made it to a semi-final myself, so I can only do it. What's that word where you do it to other people? Is it vicariously? Vicariously, yes. I'm experiencing it <laughs> vicariously. Well, thank thank God Jane is here to tell us what it yeah. was like on, on semi-final. Then we're going to hear, I'm sure, about final week next week. Um, Jane, semi-final week, I think Paul referred to it as the worst place to go home as the most unfortunate time to leave. Do you agree with that? I would have think first week is terrible because of all the work that goes into it and then going first. Yes, I... I think it is awful to go home semi-final week, but I would have hated to go out week one or two because they have enjoyed just about everything and they will be there for the final because we know that they will turn up for the picnic. So they haven't actually missed out on an awful lot. Devastating to go out when you're so close. But no, I think week one would have been the worst, I think. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, it was it was Dan, wasn't it? It feels like months ago. Dan, yes. I, I feel as though I really need to get to know him more because I just thought he was going to be an absolute darling in the tent. Yeah. And it was lovely, to, you know, it was lovely to see him. Um, and I would have liked to have seen him for longer. But then that's always the case. Of course, remember, it was Dan doing it for Rotherham, building on Rahul's success from last year. But it couldn't, couldn't have gone more the other way. Well, listen, thanks so much to everyone to continuing to, to listen to the podcast. And a special shout out to uh, some of our American listeners who have been coming and attending our classes as a result of hearing the podcast. 
we had uh, we had some friends of the podcast who were at the class with Becca Perkis at break class the other day. Um, so thank you for for joining us. And if you are interested, we have classes more or less every Saturday um, here in London as we near towards Christmas. So uh, do come and join us if you want to find out more. It's on bakewithalegend.com. Thank you also for the kindly reviews. I've been reading out one almost every week, so we will continue with that. Um, this was from Jen Penguin one two eight. What do you think one two eight's for, Howard? Any any thoughts on what one two eight significant for? Well, I'm, I'm just wondering if there are one hundred and twenty seven other penguins. <laughs> and a, this is a, a colony of penguins. It's quite a, 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 an unusual thing to count, isn't this, it? Penguins. It <laughs> feels like the number of biscuits uh, Rosie made in one of her early, uh, oh, early challenges. All right. <laughs> Maybe it was over 200, I can't remember. Anyway, thank you, Jen, if you are a penguin or otherwise. You, you wrote, an avid fan of the show, now equally keen listener to this podcast. It's what we've all been waiting for. Excellent commentary. Love all the additional t- um, tips. Keep them coming. That's very kind of you. So do, uh, oh, do leave you. a review if you'd like and... We welcome five stars. We're not interested in four-star reviews, are we, Jane? We're just just all about five-star reviews. Oh, please. I think certainly by the time we get to the semi-final, it's got to be five stars. Yeah, that's it? true. If you're still listening nine episodes <laughs> in, presumably you, uh, you've enjoyed it. So uh, we really appreciate it. You continue to send in your questions and uh, in keeping with our American listeners, another question here. Um, this one, Howard, is from Janet in St. Louis, Missouri. Is there really a difference between British biscuits and American cookies? Paul always seems to insist biscuits either snap or crumble. Why so restrictive? American cookies can be anything. Chewy, crispy, cakey, crunchy, even crispy edged with chewy centres. I do love the podcast and I hope you do it again next year. I always list on Friday when Bake Off has been released on Netflix in the US. Howard, any thoughts here on the difference between British biscuits and American cookies, or is it just a language thing? I think it. I think it probably is a bit of a language thing. I think. I think um, generally, um, biscuits used to be a generic term for anything, and it, it, quite right, it could be a crispy, crumbly, uh, you know, snappy, any, anything. But I think we, as as um, the years have gone by, I think we've acknowledged that a cookie to us tends to be something with a slightly softer center um so i i I think we've we've made a distinction in that sense but when you think about the kind of range of things that are classed as biscuits whether that's fig rolls and a jaffa cakes a cake or a biscuit well i think that one's still up for discussion i think so yeah what's your thoughts on that howard i don't know i don't know i think it's a biscuit but i think it is a bit cakey isn't it it's a cakey biscuit a cakey biscuit yeah so i think biscuits can be anything i think it's just that we've made a bit of a distinction really I think we have. And I think when Paul says it's either got to snap or crumble, it depends on what you're making. Mm. If you're making a shortbread, it needs to crumble. If you're making a ginger nut, it needs to snap. And I think for Paul, if you've said what your biscuit's going to do, it's got to do it. You know, how it says the fig roll. We have fig rolls in Biscuit Week, and they definitely don't snap or crumble. They're they're very soft. I think. But if you set out to achieve a snap or a crumble or a squidge um then that's what it ought to do and that's i think that's what paul is referring to i mean to be fair fig rolls don't roll very much are they, they, they don't they? No. <laughs> <laughs> should get them up on the trade description yeah. and they're not doing what they say I thought of that. Um, well thank you janet for for your question kaima in california has asked the following Such a treat to watch a new series the same week as in the UK and listen along to the podcast. I've always wondered if the bakers get a weekly stipend to buy materials for practicing their bakes. In California, baking ingredients are very expensive. Um, Do you reckon they're cheaper in Sheffield, the the baking goods there, Howard? (laughs) I don't think I would go to California to buy my baking ingredients. I love the word weekly stipend. I I don't think stipend gets used enough as a word, does it? I don't think it does. A lot of people might not know what it is. No, I think it's an allowance, isn't it? Or a bit of a contribution. So, yes, you you do get a bit bit of money to to enable you to, uh, to purchase... Uh, ingredients, not, whether not, not by California, not including a, a return airfare to California. <laughs> that would be good. Like that. Yeah. I've just got to go and get my ingredients um, from Kim, West Coast. Kim, if you do want us to come over to California and assess the the market, Howard and I are up for a trip. Yeah, we are. 
we're oh, happy can I come to. Too? Yeah, Jamie, you can. Come. Will you, well, yeah, I probably oh, have very you little. Brilliant <laughs> earlier, and then you're going to take him to California. But I'm, you're I'm lovely. You're lovely, Jane. Yeah, because sure that's the same. Jane, Howard. if you wait for the self-raising selfie story, we're we're off to Austin on a separate trip. We're going oh, to Austin, yeah. Texas. Yeah. So we're going there. So you, you get a small budget, um, not enough to retire on, and you definitely can't go to California to to get it, Jane. No, you definitely can't go to California. Yeah, they. You, it depends on how mad you go. You don't need to be out of pocket. Therefore, it's inclusive. Anybody can apply, really. That which is the main thing. If you know, if you had to finance all your bakes, then it would stop a lot of people applying. Mm. But no, don't be worried about that, guys. I think it's. I think the the problem is if a bit like me. I think I mentioned this before. If you're a bit vain. And need a new shirt every week or something like that. A new blue get, shirt. Yeah, you don't get an allowance. You don't them. get a clothing allowance, no. no. Or makeup allowance in our cases. <laughs> we just have to get on with it. You continued the blue theme, I would say, how is that? Navy put a shirt today? Yes, yeah. Very consistent. <laughs> Jane, I mentioned Someone we were say dull though, actually. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Howard. I love you, you know it. I know. Jane, I mentioned we might be off to uh, Austin, Texas, and that's where um, Emily has contacted us from. She said, I was on holiday and we took a trip to visit Flora Shedden's Bakery. Now, Flora, of course, was a semi-finalist the year before you. Yes, so was she the youngest ever Bake Off contestant at that stage, was Flora? Or was it Martha? I don't, oh, know. That was I don't know. Anyway, so Emily went off to visit uh, Flora's Bakery, which apparently is in Dunkeld. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, we live in Texas. My mum's partner lives in Aberdeen. So three of us drove early to make sure we arrived before a sellout. We each had coffees and our choice of sweets in the bakery, but also two boxes of treats to go home. It was nearing time for us to leave, and I leaned to my boyfriend and asked him if he really wanted to request a photo with Flora. We were both incredibly nervous. She came out front, and I explained how awestruck we were at her spread of bakes, and the high quality. Flora said that people asking photos doesn't happen often, which I don't believe. We're very thankful that she gave us the time. We mentioned Flora was our favourite contestant of that series, and we were rooting for her. It's still one of our favourite series to go back and rewatch. She was very flattered, but humble, and we were just trying to hide our nerves. Oh, it's a lovely story from Emily. It's a lovely story. An absolutely lovely story, and people are nervous about approaching us sometimes and then very embarrassed when they find out where we're from and they thought we worked with them. And I just want to just reinforce that we love it when people come up and say hello, don't we, Howard? Absolutely. Absolutely love it. If they know who we are or or it doesn't really matter even if they don't, do they? A couple, a few weeks ago, actually, I was in, uh, I was doing a food festival, I was getting some shopping from Booth's. Uh, which is a very nice supermarket, actually. Oh, is it? Yes. Other supermarkets um, are available. They are. And um, a lady came up to me and said, uh, excuse me, are you a member of the Long Distance Walking Group? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no. She said, oh, you've got a double. Did you, <laughs> did you clarify who you were no. or where she might know you from? You didn't say, well, I'm not, but you might recognise me because no, I was on. Because I think I think sometimes if people do say, well, I'm sure I know you from somewhere, and then that gives, them, gives you a bit of an opening. But the fact that she was definitely sure I was a member of the long distance walking group. You didn't. I, I didn't no. correct. Where her, was no. this? Where was this in Sheffield? No, no, it was. Um, oh gosh, it was uh, um, more uh, Lancashire. So yeah. So I was uh, going to say che- if it was in no, Sheff- not Lancashire, Cheshire. Sorry, Cheshire. Yeah. Had it been in Sheffield, you could have then looked up local long distance running clubs. <laughs> yes, and then exactly. tried to turn up and see if you could surprise <laughs> yeah. her. Yeah, but Lancashire or Cheshire is <laughs> probably not worth the uh, the effort involved. This story from Emily almost sounded like some sort of pilgrimage to go visit um, Flora's Bakery. There are a few a few ex-Bake Off contestants with their own bakeries, right? Ali Imdad? I think Ali Ali has something in Birmingham I've got a Does memory he? of. Yes, I think so. Louis gave up his. Mm. Um, Louis found it all too much and then he was very poorly. Um, mm. Yeah. Uh, who else? I don't, I don't know, but a lot of people John's do. John's got his cookery school, hasn't he? John Wayne. John Wayne. Yeah, it's um, going up north. Lovely Kate uh, from Brighton. Kate is Henry. A, Kate Henry, yes, um, is a now private chef, so she does lots of events. So there are quite a lot of people that do things, mm. but I'm not sure how many have got bakeries. It's such jolly hard work running yeah. a bakery. Yeah. Emily, thank you so much for sending in that story. We really enjoyed it. If anyone else finds himself in Dunkeld, I'm sure Flora would be very keen to see you. 
So it's time to talk in a little bit of detail about Patisserie Week. But Howard, it seems obligatory that before we get into any episode, we see someone claiming they don't know very much about whatever it is <laughs> that week's theme is. And step forward, David, this time. I do not know a lot about Patisserie. Are you surprised by that? Because David, the, the oldest of, the, of those that was left in the attempt, uh, seems the most experienced, always the most calm. Are you surprised he didn't seem to be so confident on the patisserie? I am a little bit, to be perfectly honest, because I think a lot of the things that he's done over the weeks have involved quite detailed, intricate things. He's got a good eye for, for colour, for um, basically for detail. And I think that's what, you know, patisserie is about a lot of the time. It is about the way that you present beautifully finished, pristine things. Yeah, I agree. I think David, maybe it's just the word. Yeah. Maybe it's the word and the definition patisserie, because I would say his tarts in 1920s week could easily have been in a patisserie shop. The way, you know, they look absolutely stunning. So maybe it's just the word, the definition. I think it covers such a broad spectrum of bakes you know, he didn't want to commit himself because mm. I think if anybody, as Howard said, anybody is capable of patisserie, I would have said it was David with his meticulous detail and neatness. Mm. One of the first things that struck us all, I think, in this episode was was this homage to, to Henry's tie. So obviously Henry, as you mentioned, Howard, he wore it in week two onwards. Yes. He didn't, didn't go yeah. with it in week one. Yeah. We had a tideless week. And then... Everyone wore a tie in respect of him. But what was interesting is David, I think, said, oh, it's a bit hot after what appeared to be like two minutes of this week's episode. It's not really... I mean, Henry stuck with this for seven weeks of wearing a tie in hot weather. They did two or three minutes. I, I thought they could have put in a bit more effort. Maybe it should have been like, <laughs> who could have worn the tie for longest or something? I think it was probably a bit of a direction. I think it would have ruined things for continuity if people had had a tie on for a certain amount of time and then taken it off they, they would have it would have messed about with the editing i think so i think that they may have been said yes this is a nice gesture but actually could you could you take them off after a while because otherwise it's going to be it'd be a bit of a pain i yeah. think last year i think was it after john who who'd had his hawaiian shirts on i think the following week after they all oh, wore hawaiian right. shirts they did didn't uh, they as a bit of a tribute to to him and i i, I hadn't realized but i think uh, after elena had gone this time i think uh, henry was wearing one of her spider um, spider's web brooches or was he something. well spotted out i didn't yeah. notice so that. i think i think they there's a bit of a tribute going on, and I think that's lovely. There will be obvious questions from the listeners wondering why there was not a blue shirt all around. I was going to say just that. <laughs> when you went, Howard, yeah, did I know. you were you tempted to sort of deliver four or five blue shirts? <laughs> just go listen. I wouldn't like anyone to forget I was here. I don't think it's the most memorable thing, is it? Really, I think. Do you know it's it's strange actually because I went to do uh, after I'd been on Bake Off. I remember going to uh, to do. I think it was either the BBC Good Food Show or Cake and Bake Show, and a lady came up to me and said, "Oh, I love that shirt." She said, "That's the shirt you wore you wore every week on Bake Off, isn't it?" And it's like, no, I have a different <laughs> shirt on every week. <laughs> I think they could have worn glasses, Howard, because people, somebody yeah. said to me, oh, yeah, doing with the Howard um, podcast with Howard. He's the one with the glasses. <laughs> so we could have, had a, could have had a glasses week in memory of Howard. Oh. Let's talk about the signature challenge. It was to make eight elegant, beautifully decorated domed tartlets. They were told they must have a sweet pastry case and be exquisitely decorated. And Paul said it was all about timing, precision and setting. He wanted to see flakiness and butteriness that a good sweet pastry brings and then packs a punch. And Prue was keen to say they need to be absolutely identical. Neat as pins, she said. Neat Hardest week pins. so far. What do you about neat as pins, Jane? Are you, uh, you a fan of that phrase? Neat as pins. Well, it's always one of those things, isn't it? Every week they have to be identical. They have to be professional standards. They have to be, this week, neat as pins. Well, they can actually put that in the brief if they want to, <laughs> but, but it's really hard for anybody to do 
to do that. We mustn't ever lose sight of the fact that these are just home bakers. They will have never done a patisserie course. They'll have never done a professional course. They'll have had next to no time to learn how to make these things. I've never made one of these, actually. I'm, I'm dying to now that I they've had them on the show. Yeah, yeah, they say these things, don't they? I think the poor old bakers, it just puts a bit of extra pressure on them. So yeah. let's talk about Steph's because she went for this raspberry, lemon and white chocolate dome tart. I would, my pronunciation might be off here, but was it a part a pate sable? How am I, how should I be that pronouncing it? Right, pate yeah, sable, pate yeah. Sable, yeah. Which is a rich pastry, isn't it? A bit like shortbread. Is that? Am I yes, in the right yeah. uh, ballpark? Well, can I come in here? Because when we do some of the classes that we do, when I do chocolate and caramel tarts or yes. chocolate and raspberry tarts, we make a pate sable. Yeah, mm. it's true. And it's a brilliant, well-behaved, anybody can make it pastry, and you don't need cold hands. I love it for for any sweet bakes and tarts. So, yes, you want to learn how to make it, book in to one of my classes. Absolutely. Uh, Bakewithalation.com to uh, to check us out. Shameless, shameless selling ourselves. Yes, almost advertorial. Um, (laughs) Steph covered this, Howard, with like a white chocolate glaze filled with raspberry jelly and lemon mousse. It was perched on that sable pastry. But she didn't feel calm during the whole episode and and it, it just didn't go right for her from from a start is that is that fair just the whole day she wasn't calm yeah i think it's sad isn't it when you see that but it, it sometimes it can be understandable i mean we don't know what what's happening outside of the tent or anything like that but i think sometimes um i used to talk about kind of tent gremlins because sometimes things that you've practiced at home um you you do them in the tent and you think oh my goodness why is it behaving like this why is it doing completely differently to how um it's been in practice and um some people i think i think david is uh, 90% of the time incredibly calm um i think most of us who are, who are probably uh, human <laughs> i'm not saying david's not human sorry but uh, I, th- I think you, you sympathise, you empathise with the fact that it's just a bit, a bit mind blowing sometimes. Would I think you- it's really interesting that some weeks, and it's not necessarily the first one or two weeks. Some weeks you feel really, really nervous, and there can mm. be no real reason for it. The nerves just hit you. Which is ridiculous if you've been in the tent three or four weeks. Why is it suddenly hitting you in week five or six or seven? And I think it just got to Steph. And maybe mm. the pressure of having been star baker four times yes. got to mm. her. Um, she feels she needs to perform week after week after week. And you know, my heart went out to her, really. She got herself into a right old tizzy at times. Did, did you like what she made in the end? I mean, the feedback that she ended up getting was that it from Paul was it wasn't didn't look so neat at the bottom. But it was a bit like lemon meringue pie. The sharpness and flavour was there, but it was a bit soft. But Prue, Prue was more positive, and she thought this was the sort of thing you could eat with a spoon, uh, perhaps. <laughs> so nearly perfect. So did you like what she went for? I liked it a lot. Um, I thought the flavour combination sounded delicious, you know, raspberry and, and lemon, lovely. I thought they were pretty. I think it was a really, really hot day. Yep. And you're making gelatin-based things on a hot day. It's... Do you put more gelatin in to try and make it firmer or what do you do? It's just as Howard said, you know, it's the tent. Things go wrong. I I particularly wanted to eat these. I thought they looked as though they were going to be absolutely delicious. Um, And I just felt sorry for her. They were a bit soft, but I don't think it was a big disaster. It wasn't an absolute disaster, was it? I think I thought they were nice and the flavours were good. But I think judges are understandably being really picky because it's semi-final week. Absolutely. These moulds are very good, Howard, aren't they? I think we've used them at at classes and and it's just all about making sure they have enough time in the freezer so you've got that that firmness yes i've i've been impressed with uh, with using molds like this because uh, i think sometimes when you have um, things with a dome on it looks like it's going to be incredibly complicated and and difficult to do and actually using uh, a domed mold i think um you know, you can surprise yourself about what you can actually achieve. Mm, I've got some at home. I must give them a go, actually, because mm. I haven't made a mirror glaze since um, week one in the tent for me. So, so it's about well, time to time to get time to, to get mirror glazing. On. I think. <laughs> How we we had this rather bizarre moment where we were looking at, at Rosie's, who also went for pâté sablé pastry case. She was going for this raspberry gin and mint creme pat, lemon Bavarian cream, done finished with a lemon mirror glaze. 
and no went over and saying, you know, jokingly, I can't believe you've you've made it this this far. And then uh, of all the things to hear about in the tent, castration of bulls, I thought was fairly low down in what we'd expect to hear. But you know, it it's this amazing friendship that we're going to miss so much. I think I think so. We we were talking before about that kind of almost odd couple relationship between uh, Noel and Rosie. I think you can't quite tell whether Rosie completely gets Noel's sense of humour or um, whether she's just got this wonderful kind of... Um, bit dry. deadpan, yeah, a bit yeah, dry. Deadpan, yeah, deadpan, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the relationship between yeah. them. I think it's really sweet and it seems to have grown. Yeah. Um, and I shall really miss it. But I thought it was very funny talking about the bulls and the pigs. And oh, what I want to know, Rosie, please direct mail me... Um, why are you castrating a huge bull? I mean, what use is a bull once it's a big bull um, without any balls? I don't understand. You can't eat it. Surely it's too muscly. Anyway, I'm sure the listeners don't want to know, but I really do. So, Rosie, please <laughs> let me know why. Why didn't the poor creature just get put down? Yeah, Rosie, it's the bakedown at bakedownlegend.com <laughs> if you can get in touch. Or if anyone else has got ideas fascinated. On, on the bulls and we'd like to hear it. Paul, in the, in the feedback for this one, said that the base didn't look too bad, but the, the creme pat was definitely a shame. It was it was a little bit too soft. Prue was, you know, positive on the colour, thought the size was perfect, and, and the jelly too. In the end, I thought she'd put something, you know, fairly respectable together, Howard. Yeah, I, to, to be honest, I thought all of them looked look very nice. You know, I, yeah. I think it was hard to... Uh, to choose between them. So well, I, I love the way that she got that. Uh, what were the bits on top that she managed to balance? Oh, were they were a pulled sugar thing. No, I didn't see her make those. No. Malt, uh, strand. That's oh, what was it was called. Oh, was it malt strand? Yes. I, I'm assuming she made them um, because ice malt does go a bit sticky eventually if you make it at home. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it... Yeah, nobody showed her making it. No. She's done sugar no. stuff before and I don't think has perhaps been credited enough for it. I thought it looked absolutely stunning. Yeah, it was a great touch on the top. I thought it looked really pretty, actually. Um, I think there's, like Howard said, I think they all did an amazing job, uh, in, given that that temperature was probably well up in the high 70s. Um, they did a fantastic job. I, I would have been delighted to eat any of them. I love mm. David's little blue flower on the top of his it's borage or something, I would imagine. Well, well, yeah, David went for this what, apéritif uh, dome tart encased in a leche flat dome, perched on an orange pastry disc, topped with a mirror glaze flavoured with the Italian botanical spirit. You into your botanical spirits, Howard? I do, I do, do you know, isn't it strange when they say things like Italian botanical spirit? Because I'm thinking, what is that then? Aperol, or is that think? is it? Or a, um, oh, what's that? It, oh no, what's that one that I got really drunk when I was got my exam results back in the seventies? <laughs> um, I can't remember, but it's that sort of pinky colour. Yeah, it's quite um, botanical. Quite botanical. Yes. Yeah. I should tell the listeners we had to remind Jane what she did in the Bake Off semi final <laughs> three yeah. years ago. Yeah, so back uh, before in we started doing this. So um I'm getting very if involved. you if you do remember, um that was no um David um got you know pretty pretty good feedback from Paul. Kind of was nice. David just I'm sorry, Paul seemed to take issue with David maybe wanting sort of smaller nuts to make it look more professional, but he loved the flavour. And Prue said, you know, they look unusual, never seen anything like it in the pastry shop, but she would buy it that's a that's pretty kind comments if if you know if prue would go and buy this chain yeah i thought they were very kind comments and if you know david's nuts were too big then it's just only a tiny criticism and um, i thought they were lovely i loved these strips of rhubarb and it was a pity we couldn't see them and i think he said that i thought to get those ni nice neat flat strips they were so pretty, weren't they? I would mm. definitely have wanted to buy one. They were a lovely colour. Um, I really enjoyed this whole challenge. I thought, I know I've been critical over the weeks of some of the challenges, but I thought this was one of the, the nicest ones they've done this year. I, yeah. I loved it. And I can't wait to make some of these. I'm going to dust off my silicon moulds and give them a go. I thought they were, I thought it was lovely. We'll just wrap up here with Alice's, she made also, perhaps the one I'd have most enjoyed, I think, the mocha hazelnut orange dome tarts. The feedback she ended up getting from Paul, 
Dome Chime is fantastic. The piping, perhaps not so good, but it held together nicely. So there was a lovely battery feel. Crumbles in the mouth, it melted nicely. And possibly just let down, as I said, by the piping. But the texture and flavour was gorgeous. And Prue said some were perfect, others all over the place. But overall, lovely and crisp. So Howard, uh, a pretty a pretty strong uh, feedback there for Alice. Yeah, and I think it is a shame. I think she was just rushing a little bit at the end and a little bit panicky. And I think uh, had she had a bit of a bit more time and a bit of a steadier hand, each of those little peaks would have been identical. I think it, it sometimes when you're up against the wire, you rush in order to finish them off, and it does lose a little bit of the finesse. And it was a shame that really. Mm, I- it was interesting because on my ooh, dessert week, I think, I made a hazelnut paste and mine went into a roulade and it was too thick. And I was feeling for her when she was pushing it into the cases going, this won't spread, thinking I couldn't get mine to spread either. Mm. I had to add it to something else in order to get it spreadable. Um, I think I would have been tempted to have just done whipped cream around the outside. So I, I, obviously we can't taste, but she has such a lovely, rich filling that whipped cream probably would have been enough rather than having to do a buttercream and that that would have made her life a bit easier um but i think she did a great job i thought it's very difficult with chocolate pastry the only thing i don't like um and it's no criticism of alice but she used one of those rings that is very popular now and it has little holes in it to in theory make your pastry bake more evenly Mm. um but what happens is you end up with an imprint of those little holes. And I noticed it round her tart tins. Oh, yes. And I've never baked with one of those, but I've never had a problem with a a solid ring. And I think it just loses that smartness by having those little pinprick holes. Hmm. Um, Would be my... I know it sounds as I'm criticising Alice. I'm really not, because she had a brilliant mousse, delicious combination of flavours. Um... It was just something I noticed with these little pink I, I, Do you know, for a moment now, I was going to suggest she could have hidden it with a chocolate colour in, and I thought, oh, no, no, <laughs> you, oh, no. goodness Sorry, me, it's Jane. going to be like Sorry, that Jane. today. What is it talking <laughs> chocolate colours? <laughs> so I think it's fair to say so that cruel. after the signature, it probably wasn't too clear yet who, who was going home. Everyone had got off to a, a reasonable start to the day. This week's episode of The Big Down is in association with our friends at Seed and Bean Chocolate. Seed and Bean truly live on the wilder side of taste, creating adventurous, botanically inspired flavours using only 100% organic ingredients. If you head to their website at seedandbean.co.uk, you'll receive 25% off your purchase using the code THEBAKEDOWN when you check out. Before we talk about the technical challenge, Jane, I do want to bring it back to your semi-final episode. You, of course, were there alongside Andrew, Candice and Selassie. Technical-wise, you won. I'm sure you, you remember it and you had to make, was it Savarin? We had to make a Savarin. Savarin? 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 Um, yeah, oh, my goodness me. I was at the front of the tent um, on the left-hand side. And... Um, Savarin's a yeasted cake in a, a really nice tin and then you soak it with stuff and you decorate it actually in quite a 90s, 60s, 70s style. But they wanted caramel shards. Now, anybody who watched my series will know that I struggled with caramel in the tent and my technical in Petit Three Week was no exception. And it must have been with about two minutes to go and all the crew move to the front of the tent and leave us in a bit of peace. And I still didn't have any caramel and everybody else had these beautiful shards. Andrew had some gorgeous ones. Wouldn't share them with me, would you, Andrew? Um, I don't know why you're still my friend, but um, mine did crystallise again and I just slapped it on some paper and broke some bits on and shoved it on the top of this Savarin. Um, But I could see Mel at the front going, just get it on the cake, just get it on the cake. And you could see the crew, by the time you get further down in the competition, you know, certainly week nine, you know the crew and the crew are just lovely and they want you to win. And they're all at the front going, get that on the cake. And I got these dreadful, cloudy, crystallised shards, but I got them on and thinking, oh, you know, there's no way I'm going to come top in this technical. And fortunately, my Savarin, in spite of the dreadful shards, appeared to come out the way they wanted 
wanted it. Mm. I'm not saying it was the best, but it came out the way they wanted it to look. So, yeah, I just remember that. That's one of those moments that really sticks with me, the caramel shards on my Savaran. Well, it served you well, got you uh, through to the final, and Selassie, who came fourth in that technical, was the one who, who left at that point, didn't he, in, in your episode. But in terms of this week, Howard, they were, the challenge was to make Gatto Sint on air um, which I did a little bit of Wikipedia on. I won't claim that I knew. I think listeners would uh, not believe it. But Wikipedia says, The saint Honor cake, usually known by its French name, Gâteau saint Honor, and also sometimes called saint Honoratus cake, is actually a pastry rather than a cake named for the French patron saint of bakers and pastry chefs, saint Honor or Honoratus, from 600 AD, or died in 600 AD, who was a bishop of Amiens. It was invented in 1847 at the Chabouse Bakery on Rue saint in Paris. Oh, Did you already know that? The cream is called Chabouse. Oh, I didn't oh, know, I didn't know that. that. I think that's, that's interesting. interesting. Well, nine weeks in, I've managed to tell you something. <laughs> I'm delighted. This whole thing has been worth it. Um, yeah, so Chabouse. It was at that point I realised how you spell Chabouse when I looked this up on Wikipedia. Um, C-H-I-B-O-U-S-T for those looking it up. So there you go, a bit of information for the for the listeners. It was worth uh, following. So look, it's a rectangle comprised of two layers. First layer, puff pastry, followed by shoe buns dipped in sweet caramel and then filled with a silky cream shabooze. Repeat for the second layer and finish with pipe chantilly cream. Now, I sense you like this one, Jane. Um, yes, I love it. And I have made uh, Gâteau Saint-Honoré, or Honoré, however you pronounce it. And traditionally, it is uh, a, a circle of puff pastry with uh, the shoe buns around the outside, rather like a crown. I love it. I love this fiddling around. I really enjoy making puff pastry. I really enjoy making shoe pastry and fiddling around with yummy custards and creams. It's my idea of heaven. It'd be one of those things that I would choose to eat. So this was interesting, the way they'd done this. Two layers. It was more like a millefeuille, really, Mm. the way they stacked it together. I thought it was unusual. Frankly, I prefer the look of the round one. I think it looks nicer. Um, This seemed very rich, but lovely challenge. I would have loved to have been there in the tent. I thought it was a great challenge. David made the point here, Howard, when he looked at the paper with the instructions, that there was a lot of writing. So obviously that's fairly (laughs) unusual, right? Because you'd expect quite basic information. So the fact that David said there was a lot meant this was perhaps more complicated? It it could be. uh, Or the fact that there are a lot of elements to do separately and then put together. Mm. So I think um, quite often it it may have been kind of vague on on certain things, but it seemed as if it was directing them as to what kind of folds to do, whether to do a book fold or... Well, I wanted you to explain to us about this book turn. We saw the book turn. Yes. That's presumably just to try and make it shape it like, is yeah. it two sides of a book, two pages of a book? But a book is, is like that, isn't it? Well, and then there's the book, envelope. There's a book. To, so it's very, a common one is you just sort of fold it in three. So you know, bring one to a third over and then fold a third over. The book turn, you take one edge to the middle and then another edge to join it, and then fold the whole lot over. So you've actually then got four layers. It's a bit, a bit like a book with a a kind of fly leaf. Yes, cover, that's isn't exactly it? right. Yes. It's like you've yeah. got the fly fly yeah. leaf on it. So you've actually got four layers of pastry, and um, I think. How long did they have for this? I can't remember how long they had. Two and a half hours. So trying to do full puff. In that time, in yeah. a hot tent is hard. And I always cheat at home. I always do more turns each turn, if you know what mm. I mean. And I think the book turn gives them more layers. And it was they were directed to do that in order to get m- more layers of buttery pastry in a shorter length of time. I'd never bother to do a book turn at home. I just, I just do it thirds. But actually, I made uh, some pub pastry the other day and... Um, you know, I think a, I think a book turn would suit me very well mm. because I, you just get more layers faster. Well, I thought this was great. I think the sort of thing we could look to do at a class at some point. Although if they only had three hours thirty minutes, oh, maybe we can still do it. I'm I'm game for okay. I'm, I'm game. Right. Yeah. I'm well, I'm game for a keep a keep a close eye. <laughs> keep a close eye on our upcoming classes because I I, um, I must admit I've never made a creme chabouse before. Have you? No, I've not made a 
creme chabousse. I, mean, I don't think it's always got chabousse in it. Um, you can put what you like in it. Mm. Just nice creme patch. But mm. it would just lighten it, wouldn't it, to put yeah. the whipped egg white egg in. Whites, yeah. I suppose you've got to be careful with your egg whites of people who might have compromised immune systems. Yes. Howard, what's the most difficult part of this challenge, do you think? Because obviously various steps, as you say. Do you know, I don't, I don't know whether there's anything that's... I, I suppose for me, that, that creme chabousse, because it's the one thing that I haven't done yep. before. So I think it depends on the individual. And some people seem to be struggling again with the, with the shoe pastry. Rosie in particular oh. seemed to be struggling, didn't she, with her, her shoe. I know. It's third time lucky. It was, oh my goodness. Um, but um, I, don't, I don't think any of the individual elements are particularly, uh, more, one is more tricky than another, but it's just doing them all, of really. Of course, and keeping an eye on everything. Yeah, yeah. Mm, so, and in a short length of time. But I wasn't sure what the gelatin was going in. I don't put gelatin in my creme patch. So what were they putting their gelatin? What were they putting gelatin in? Because at one point Rosie said, "Oh, I forgot to put my gelatin in." What were they putting I gelatin? How was it in the creme chabousse? It must maybe have been. it must have been in the creme chabousse to hold up. I, I don't know. They didn't explain that because all they said was it's like a creme pat with egg white, mm. and then they did a chantilly cream. Well, you don't put gelatin in that. So what was the gelatin going in? It must have been in the shaboose. By process of elimination almost. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think that's where, yeah. where we have to assume. Again, gelatin on a hot hot week. Not easy. Howard, you mentioned here Rosie's failed attempts with shoe. I mean, it was a third effort. Everything about the way this was filmed did not make it seem that Rosie was about to win this, uh, this challenge. It, it was amazing, Jane, how she pulled it around. I mean, that was... Oh, you know, shouting huge, at the telly, actually. <laughs> <laughs> what were Don't you shouting? Don't put so much egg in. Just the same as I was when Michael had trouble with his shoe. Ironically, she made shoe in the um, in the showstopper. I, don't, I just don't... I just, you know, I think with your head, you, but sometimes your brain goes out of the window. If you've got some written instructions that says two eggs in a technical, you know mm. you don't have to put it all in, but your, your sense goes completely out of the window and she was just getting herself into a right old mess. But all credit to her, she got something on the table and, well, and, and did a bit better than just getting it on the table, didn't she? She actually came top and even she seemed completely flabbergasted that she came top. Well, the, it, it was apart from apart from the shoe buns being upside down. Oh, apart from the shoe buns being it was, upside down. She was told it was pretty much perfect. I mean, mm. amazing how to you know, resurrect what looked like clearly I, almost going home or do you think it was drama no I, I i think well i think there was an element of drama to it but i to be perfectly honest i love examples like that in the tent when somebody looks as if they are really really struggling and then they pull it out of the bag yeah, I do too. it is so it just sort of makes you feel so warm and wonderful yeah. inside i love it and all credit to her she's, yeah. she's been brilliant i would say with the upside down shoe buns there are recipes out there, and it, Google this gâteau Saint Honoré. Oh, God, I never, I did French O level, you know. Saint mean good stead, clearly. Um, and you'll have a look at them from some really good patisserie chefs on Google, and you may well find your shoe bun is upside down. In order to give it a little flat it hat. It gives it a little flat hat. So mm. maybe she was the only person who had made it, as she said, a long time ago. Maybe she followed some of the recipes that mm. I've seen, and that is why she thought they ought to be upside down. So maybe uh, she, Paul wasn't right to pick her up on, on that side of it. if you think about it, sandwiched between two sheets as well, it would make the second sheet of puff pastry sit flatter. Mm. So um, Go rosy. Go rosy. That's what we have to say. So look, or don't go rosy. Because we like Rosie. We as, like them all. As well as it went for Rosie, Alice didn't have her best technical here, Howard. Um, ultimately, Paul was saying that, that it was a Chantilly cream that was over-whipped um, and the caramel Prusette was overdone. It was it was too strong. She she didn't have her best day for the technical. No, I mean, I don't I don't dislike a strong caramel, but there is a point at which it's it's just gone a little bit too far and it has that kind of burnt edge mm. to it. And I think... It looked as if she'd got um, a bit of variety going on in the uh, the depths of the caramel there. And in terms of Steph's Jane, she was told that there were you know big holes in the pastry 
which is usually an indicator. Paul said that you've lost a bit of the butter, but you could see the flake and, and it was thin. But the shoe buns were irregular in colour. And I guess that is going to sort of irk Paul, isn't it? If you just, he, he, they talk with such regularity about how they want it. It's very, yes, it was irregular in colour. I think shoe's very hard to get regular anyway. The, the one that they showed as the, you know, as an example, when Prue and Paul were talking, they were very, very neat shoe buns. Yeah, they like they do like things to be regular. The problem is with caramel is if you dip your first ones, if you haven't taken it off the heat and put it into a different bowl, it will carry on cooking. That's what caramel does. Um, so some will be darker than others. And the shibu is like a scrambled egg that like- tastes okay. Scrambled egg, yeah. I mean, it does the trouble with these custards. It's so easy. When you're doing and you're juggling so many things, even at home, when you're waiting for your custard to thicken, you go over and put the kettle on and you come back and it's like scrambled egg. It's so, so easy to do and you're rushing. So you maybe turn the temperature up a little bit higher than it should be. Yeah, I don't think Steph had the best of times, did she, on the technical, really? But again, you know, you're doing this in next to no time. And the one thing that will stop your pastry from seeping out its butter is to chill it down for a good long time. They just don't, have, don't the have the time for it. No, I thought it was a tricky challenge, a fair challenge, and a nice challenge and one that I'd quite like to do. Perhaps, Howard, we ought to say to them, all the ones that we've moaned about, perhaps then let us come back and just do the technicals. Yeah, we could do a nice good. Christmas show like that yeah. every week, couldn't we? Sounds good. So thank you, Love Productions. Yes, we are available. <laughs> David came second for the sixth time <laughs> in the technical. It's amazing, isn't it? The story but of his it's life. that consistency <laughs> that's ultimately dragged him to the final, Howard. You don't need to be the best every week being in the best view is going to see you through i think he did say that didn't he um second will get you to the final uh, it was always I, the thing that i yeah. used to say was you only have to be better than one other person all the way through until you get to the final when you've just got to beat two yeah but he's been so consistent mm. really consistent i mean, he's a super baker isn't he i mean they all are but he has hasn't really had any downs mm. and he? just so calm yeah. so calm amongst so many people who aren't being calm but neat as well. His bench is always beautiful. Um, I did a bit of research, Howard. I know you liked your statistics that you've brought up at various points. And I think Rosie's just the second person to win a semi-final technical and go home. The only other person this has happened to was Flora the year before Jane was on oh, Series 6. lovely Flora. Mm. So, yeah, Flora won the technical, went home. But uh, if you look at last year, Ruby won the technical, went on to the final. Sophie won the technical semi-final, went on to win... So, yeah, just um, a, a little bit unlucky there, Rosie, maybe to, to feel like having been in what seemed like a terrible situation and flustered and the shoe not working on a couple of occasions to then bring it back. And then it just didn't go her way anyway. No, it's, it was sad because I think, uh, as I was saying before, it, it's it, it's so heartwarming to see somebody struggle so badly as, as Rosie did in the technical and then triumph. And you sort of think, Oh, that's given her a bit of a respite, and sadly, it didn't. No, I was I was very sad for her, but because um, I didn't think she'd had a bad day at all in the office, had she? She had had a reasonably good, you know, uh, signature, and then obviously came top in the technical. The thing is, I'm not sure how they mark it. We're not privy to that at all, but. If you come first in a technical and there are 12, 13 people in the tent, you've done really, really well. Yeah. If you come third, you've done really, really well. By the time you get to the semi-final and the final, I came third in the technical in the final of my year, um, which clearly was bottom. But any other week, you'd have been happy to yeah. be third. So I think perhaps the distance between them at the technical uh, – by the time you get to the semi-final, is not so great. Absolutely. So yeah. maybe it doesn't count for quite so much the mm. further you get through mm. the competition. I don't know. I, you know, I, I am not privy to any of that information or how they mark these things. Um, but to me, it makes sense that there can't, because there are only four of them, be that much between them. Mm. Let's move on to talking about the Showstopper Challenge. And before we Ooh, saw a- it... Howard, Paul said putting Patisserie Week in the semi-final is pretty cruel. 
Has he forgotten where he was the last three oh, years? I because it's yes. been... I, I mean, think so. This is drama taking yeah, it to you. Know? it is. It's like, <laughs> and, and like, he years. is responsible for deciding this was patisserie week. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not convinced. It's Sorry. not like they were asked to make a <laughs> cupcake in the semi-final last year, in the previous three years, or a chocolate brownie. I mean, come on. Yeah. No, I, th- I think that was a bit... Um, it, it, it is. It is uh, about. I think was it was it Sandy who said he'll give give him a, a white cat like he's some Bond villain or something. Yes, like she did. That. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so showstopper challenge was to create a spectacular sugar glass display case, completely transparent. They wanted inside there needs to be an edible depiction of something that you hold precious to you in your life. Your glass case can be any shape that you like. They were told must contain one baked element, such as cake or biscuit. And four and a half hours, Paula said they could use any flavours they wish. Prue said, what we want is a real celebration of patisserie, showcasing it in a sugar glass cabinet. Has to be crystal clear, really high class, exquisite pastries, want lots of different textures. This has to be semi-final worthy and amazing. Jane, you like this challenge as well. Would you have enjoyed this one? Well, I must admit, when 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 I heard what they had to make, I panicked because mm. I thought, oh mm. my goodness, that is such a scary challenge. And I think anybody receiving that brief, which they they would have done at some point so they could plan it, would have gone, oh. but actually I would love to have had a go at it. Mm. I think it was amazing. I will never do it at home because... Frankly, life is too short to make a glass box to stick over the top of a, a pretty cake. But I would have loved to have done it in the tent. And that isomalt stuff makes life a lot, a lot easier um, than uh, doing it with caramel. Isomalt played a big part in this week's episode. How have you used isomalt? We were told it was a sugar substitute that does not caramelise and remains clear. It gets very hot, apparently 300 degrees, and we saw them reaching for gloves at points, didn't we? Yeah, no, I've never used it, but it, it, it did look intriguing. I mean, it, clearly when you are set a challenge like this, you have to think about how you are going to approach it. And they, they'd gone down the the road of thinking this is the best way of doing it, using isomalt. So then you've got to do all the research about how you use it, how it behaves. I think they were talking at one point about using blowtorches to get rid of any bubbles. So all of that research has to go on beforehand. And, um, you know, so I, I wouldn't have known how to do it, but clearly having been set that challenge, you'd have to do the research to find out how to do I, it. Um, I did for a Christmas cake a few years ago have a go with it and Mm. it's pretty easy to use it's expensive to use so it's not the sort of thing that you would buy every day of the week um and you you can't get it in the supermarket as far as i know but it's great stuff and you can get some very good shapes with it and you can pour it over foil and give yourself molds obviously that we saw um it's brilliant for something like this and it does go a little bit cloudy as any caramel does and you just blowtorch it because obviously Mm. that's not going to make it hot enough to melt it but it is enough to clear the cloudiness for a short time um that's good fun stuff it's good fun stuff if anybody wants to do something ridiculous um and and exciting like uh alice's coral uh and, and use it for that and for that window pane and the terrarium that david used it's good stuff you know it you need to use gloves, but then you'd need to use gloves for caramel. It's very easy to burn mm. yourself. But as long as you're careful with it, I, I, it's good fun. If you want to do anything very... If you were doing a Christmas cake, you could make a... You can make it into... I'll tell you what I did. I'll tell you what I did if we've got time for anybody. Um, I made a mould out of one of those um, fish tank castles. You can buy these two-part... Uh, mold kits that you mm. mixed together and molded over it. So I made a mold because um, it was supposed to be an icy castle. Um, and then I poured my isomalt in and you just sort of swirl it around and, and let it set and it sets quite firmly and then pull your mold off. And I made this wonderful ice castle for a Christmas cake a few years ago. Um, great fun. Great fun if you've got the time or the inclination. Is I, it I'd edible like it. then? It is edible, yes. Mm. It's it, Oh, you can buy it where it hasn't been. I can't remember what the word for it is, but there's a way of of making it so it's much more stable. So if you buy this stabilised version, um, yes, yeah, just sugar. Is mm. it invert sugar or something like that? Mm. Anyway, yeah, it's completely edible. It's sugar. Mm. Yeah, it's not very good for you. 
<laughs> but it's, it's Jane. It's you've got incredible. you've got a week to make one for our podcast next week. If, yeah. if you don't arrive holding yeah, a, an impressive item, I item see alt. it would be just too um, humid on the train yes, travelling up excuse. here, Josh. So mm. I think perhaps just don't hold your breath on that one. <laughs> Howard, which of these four? most appealed to you. So obviously Alice ended up getting Star Baker, which we'll talk about in a moment. Was hers the most impressive, in your opinion, her Save Our Oceans, or was it David's Greenhouse with the Growing Moss? We had uh, Steph's mm. Night at the Opera and Rosie's Time with Family. I, I think for sheer control and neatness, it was David's for me. I think it's a, it's a shame. Um, he, his terrarium was, was absolutely beautiful, and it when you looked at how neatly it was put together... So that there weren't any gaps in the corners or anything like that, and he he even had time to sort of pipe on a little bit of trailing plant on the outside, which looked looked amazing. But I I loved that. I think it was a shame about the the cake that was inside. And I think sometimes when you get a brief on Bake Off, and it says that it must contain a baked element inside, I think he'd taken that literally. And then everybody else is doing these kind of much more complicated, impressive-looking things. He probably did kick himself, uh, but you don't know what everybody else is is going to be no. doing, do you? So no, you don't. I, and I was actually thinking about it on the train coming up here as to what he could do because I, I was disappointed in his cake, and I think he was probably a bit worried about it. He said something to that effect in his one of his interviews and I was thinking had he put a chocolate box around it cut some square you know run out some chocolate cut them in squares and stuck them to the side so it looked like a chocolate box of um cacti mm, in there mm. or done something that had a little bit of a d- different texture little, little tweel pot or, or a tweel pot to co- contain or the, the cacti Something like that. Actually, a twill pot would have been lovely or something like that. Because I must Mm. admit, I thought just stacks of cake that did actually sort of drop down on one side. Yes, it did. Possibly didn't do it for Mm. me. I I saw where he was coming from and his terrarium was amazing. But I think had his bit inside lived up to the outside, then it would have been completely stunning. Yeah, well, um, Prue pretty much said that, I think, in the, in the feedback she gave him, uh, wanting to see more sort of traditional patisserie work. But, you know, it was wonderfully light, she said. I mean, there were, there were clear positives there. And Howard, you mentioned about having to do the research into Isomolt, and mm. David was the one who sort of, I think, had time to blowtorch to get rid of those surface bubbles, whereas Rosie sort of completely ran out of time. And I don't think we heard the other two talking about doing that. So that is what you're talking about, getting that brief and being able to do the research so that you know how to make something or might do, even if you haven't previously made it. And then just taking it that one step further about having a little bit of colour so that yeah. you've yeah. got, you know, it, they they did look like proper windows. I thought it was beautiful. Well, Rosie's, I thought Rosie's could, not Rosie, sorry, Alice's could have been stunning. Um because she was trying to get the blue isomalt to make it look like waves. I mean, it did look a mess, her box, trying to put it together. There were lots of big gaps. Mm. And actually, if you when you looked closely, um, where she'd run the isomalt out onto a silicon slip mat, oh, I've got these silicon slip mats at home, and they have a bit of texture. And once she'd got it up and you could see through it, you could see the texture of the silicon slip mat in her glass, which mm. she wouldn't have been able to get rid of, I don't think, with the blowtorch. No. But the concept of getting the waves with the blue and the clear, I thought it was a great one. Very Again, clever. It, was, yeah. it was a clever idea, just not perfectly executed, I think. Well, look, just before we, we finish off it, do you want to just talk about roses? Because ultimately it, it wasn't quite enough to save her, Howard. Ooh. No, I, and, and it was a shame. I think um, she'd got this idea of using a biscuit frame Yes. And I think we, it, exactly the same as as David had done and Alice. So I think the concept was great. It was just the execution of it. It did look like it had got a bit of bad putty around it, didn't it? It was a bit a bit lumpy. It, it was definitely a lumpy frame. But hey, I'm sitting here with a yeah. very lumpy frame, so I'm not going <laughs> to criticise too much. Um, I just thought I, I could see where she was going with her concept um time and loved ones and various things and i think had she executed everything 
in there had mm. the had the clock face perhaps had some color on it maybe a bit of gold paint or something and and but the we must never lose sight of the fact that things that you bake have got to taste good mm. and it, it would appear that nothing under her dome tasted good um, yes, and, and Prue said it was only the concept really that pulled them together, not the, as she put it, gastronomic dish. Yes, mm. so um, I and think... And it was simplistic, as Paul said, so I guess semi-final time. And boy, did they mention the fact it was semi-final they about did. 72 times during this episode, lest we, lest we would forget. We must just mention Steph, though, because I thought her box... It was the one that scared me the most. Yes. Because without a frame on it, yeah. to try and move that around, I was expecting that to crack. And although I'm, uh, you know, although I think we're following the brief, I don't remember them saying that Steph was a mad opera fan. So cake had to be something that meant something special to you. So did it tick the brief? I'm not sure. But it was a little thing of beauty, wasn't yeah. it? With that macaron on the top. And yes. it was so perfect in that very clear box. I thought Steph did a great job. Well, I Prue, did. Prue had this comment didn't she where she said Steph you're a very good baker you really are and that seemed yeah. almost like one of some of the most strongest feedback you could get mm. it's like I've, I've had nine weeks of tasting your bakes mm. 27 bakes now across across mm. the series and, and you know of course she's had four star bakers but just reinforcing to her how much she she's enjoyed we're going to go to Howard's hump Howard week nine semi-final week what got your hump? Oh, do you know? I, <laughs> I love this. I love listening. To this. I I love I love Alice. Uh, I think she's she's brilliant, and I, th- I you know she's gone through a lot of kind of ups and downs and so on. But oh, that flicking hair! Oh my goodness, it's all over the place. I know, I know, she's got it tied back. But it's swishing and swinging and flapping and shaking and you're thinking, this can't be hygienic, I'm sorry. I, I once went to a birthday party as a child and I remember uh, th- th- this birthday cake with a single hair sticking oh. out of the icing. And I'm sure that uh, that there hasn't been any in any of the bakes that, that Paul and Prue have, have tasted, but I do think she's risking it. <laughs> <laughs> What would, you, what would your advice be? Head, I don't know. Band? I don't know whether she wants a platter or something. Yes. It's just or it's a just, bun. A yeah, bun something. A, a, a French platter or bun or something. It I just mean, there's a health and safety so, issue. It's here. like it's like a hyperactive puppy on her shoulders all the time, <laughs> and I hadn't noticed it. it. Maybe it's been doing it all through the series, but it was in this particular episode that I noticed it most, and it it it. It was infuriating me so much. I think it's the bouncing that bothers you. And I think she's just very bouncy, Alice. I know Maybe that, it's but it's just, I'm worried about this hair going into she's her face. has got a long you, fringe. You mainly worried the idea that Prue will be having a bite and suddenly start choking oh, on a, a piece of hair. I don't think hair. she'll choke, but it's just the idea that you might get one. Oh, Has this idea. ever happened when you've either of you have baked something and you've finished it and... As you're serving it, you've noticed. Yes, it has happened. It, to you, it, it does happen. I, it can I've, happen. If I've been doing a bake like a wedding cake or anything like that, I literally wear a hat. I oh, do. Dude. Yeah, I would wear a hat. I don't look nice, but at Hennet. least, yeah. <laughs> Hennet. Hennet Howard. This could be the new thing. <laughs> Should get you a deal, Howard Hennet. <laughs> Howard Hennet. I'm going to bring you one next week, Howard. And Jane, it was an interesting decision between, it seemed, Alice and Steph, who was going to get Star Baker, and in the end, Alice just got the nod. Yeah, and I think it was incredibly close because they didn't seem worlds apart in their showstopper, um, although I did love Alice's cake and it had some very interesting flavours. I think Steph's was described as a little bit rubbery, I think. Um but she had a good show. She had a good um, uh, signature, but didn't do so well in the technicals. So I think the decision must have been really, really difficult for the judges. And it, it's, I could barely put a pin between them. But I think it must have gone on taste. Only they will know because I guess, unlike the Booker Prize, they couldn't give two star bakers, could they? They couldn't share it. 
And just quickly, we, we said farewell to, to Rosie. We will miss only one week, I guess, of her and Noel's relationship that we could have had had she got through to the final. There had been a feeling, perhaps, that she could have gone in the previous you know, couple of episodes and probably semi-final, very, very respectable. Did you think it was the right time? I think it probably was the right time. I will miss her. She has grown mm. on me week on week. I really like Rosie. Um, she seems to have settled into the competition and, and relaxed a bit. I will miss her, but I think that probably the top three most consistent bakers have gone forward to the final. I think it was the right decision. Well, just on that, Jane, how do you assess the final? The, the, both of you, I'm interested. We've got Alice, we've got Steph, and we've got David heading into next Tuesday evening. How do you assess the situation with the three of them? We've had David doing it for the boys for the last couple of weeks and Alice and, and Steph heading into the final. Um, I think it's going to be a brilliant final. I think they're very close. What have we had? We've had Alice with two star bakers now. Steph We've had with Steph four. with four and David with none. Well, I was going to pick up Could on... Could he be saving the best till last? Mm. David with none and Howard, he is the first person in the 10-week format to ever make it to a Bake Off final without a star baker. The only other person who's ever done this was Mary Ann in Series 2, but there were only eight weeks of Bake Off then. So... He is breaking new territory to have made it all the way to the final without a star baker. Yeah, and I think it's a shame because um, I think just as we've said on on some of the technicals where he's been second repeatedly, I'm not saying that there haven't been weeks when he could have been a contender for star baker. So I think it's a shame that that he's he's been pipped at the post, if you like, uh, for being star baker in in previous weeks. But yeah, it'll be interesting. Mm, looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it and then it'll be tinged with sadness because it'll be next time will be the last week, mm. won't it? it will be. Well, look, we've uh, thoroughly enjoyed the semi-final. We're sorry to see Rosie leave. Congratulations to Alice, but also to Steph and David for making it all the way to the final. And we look forward to reviewing the final next week. just heard a stripped media production head over to hulu this march where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long catch the acclaimed movie all of us strangers starring paul muscal and andrew scott stream the new hulu original limited series we were the lucky ones with joey king and logan lerman and don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.